All right. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's the 30th of November. Now, I've been up in the Basque Country for the last couple of days. It's been freezing. It's been near zero. Neil, on the other hand, has been uh, out sunning himself in uh, one of the islands. So, let me get down the other side of the mountain, uh, add in about a 45-minute drive, and we'll catch up with Neil. Stand by. Right, so good morning to you, Neil, and what's your weather like, and uh, tell us about your trip. You had a good time? Yeah, oh, marvellous. It was uh, 27 every day, flip-flop shorts and vests in the day, and at night, flip-flop shorts and just a polo shirt. Absolutely beautiful. And I, I never even slept in the sheets. I slept on top of bed, it was that nice and warm. <laughs> I come back here, and it's about, well... The, the last two days have been okay, but we come back to absolutely gale force winds and really cold at night, eight degrees, nine degrees at night, which is cold for us over here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, look, um, we've got a uh, new variant, and I'm reading from the UK papers today. The real danger for most of us now comes not from Omicron or any other coronavirus variant. Instead, it comes from the ministers and officials apparently flirting with taking us into yet another era of ruinous restrictions, cancelling Christmas or other cherished holidays, dashing all hopes of foreign travel, wrecking the economy, and otherwise um, uh, making our lives horrible at the whim of the state, virtually. Uh, Yes, a new heavily mutated coronavirus has been identified, but Professor Lauterbach, a highly respected clinical epidemiologist, has suggested that the variant might even be good news. Why? Because its numerous mutations, twice as many as the Delta variant that swelled the world this year, meant uh, and means that though it may well be more infectious, it could also be less deadly. In layman's terms, this means that more people might catch it, but not suffer serious illness, and that's a good thing. Certainly compared to a very infectious, very virulent um, virus with the capacity to sicken or kill large numbers of people. You see... You know, I watched the BBC News last night and uh, immediately everybody is gloom and doom, bang back down again. Um, It's almost like they've had the go at the climate summit, which is uh, designed to depress everybody. And yet, realistically, is it the way that they're presenting it? I don't think so. What do you reckon, Neil, with this new various uh, variant, the Omicron it's just another form of flu, as far as I can see. You know, they're saying that this one won't be as, as deadly. But, you know, no people died last year of flu, and yet, year before, it was something like 56,000 or 126,000 or something, I've seen all the figures. And I'm not being funny, but everything's so depressing, you know, it's like, how less a depressant can you take? We've got, sooner or later, we're going to have to live with this this flu or coronavirus or this omega or whatever it's called. We're, we're living with it now. I've had my jabs. I'm probably up to have my other one. Uh, I think I'm in, sometime in December. Yeah, right, shove it in my arm. Let's get on with it. But make my life a bit happier when I've had them. Yeah. Don't keep telling me everything's doom and gloom and everything about it. You know, it's a nonsense. Well, I was listening to this professor, and basically what he was saying is that the this particular variant, uh, it, it basically is um, 
not as virulent and also it's like it, it it wants to get on with the host it was saying otherwise it's like doing itself out of a job so uh, basically you know we should be able to cope with it better now either these ministers are you know acting just knee-jerk reactions or basically um they're in on this bloomin plot that other people suspect them of. I mean, you wouldn't know what the heck to believe from anybody, would you? No, no, not at all. You, you get Tam, that Professor Tam, or whatever he's called, saying one thing. You get the other guy saying, we need to do this, that, and the other to protect ourselves. We've been doing this for over 18 months. Right. Yes, the vulnerable need to, be, to get protected. Them that are in uh, care homes and people like that. But the, the, and then they're saying that them that have not been infected, these are the ones who are, who are getting most of it. Well, that's really their choice whether they do or whether they don't. But, you know, you can't carry on like this for the rest of your life. Every three months, oh, you're going to have another... Uh, get your mask back out. And yet we've got football matches going on. We've got, you know, um, uh, groups playing, you know, in big arenas and this, that and the other. And they don't seem that many going down that have been there and yet all of a sudden we're back to wearing masks again in well not here but in um in, in uk you've got to wear masks to go in a shop and transport and i get it if it, if it if it's protecting old people i'll go along with that i don't mind wearing a mask if i'm making a bus drive from here to benadorm or wherever but you can't carry on keep wearing masks and, and keep going having more jabs and this, that and the other. I mean, me and you have had every jabbing world, I think, from tetanus to measles, mumps, rubella, all the all the other things that come out, polio, that sugar lump that they give you. Right. I mean, our bodies have, have got used to, you know, protecting itself. Yeah. I so think... Look, I think when you, when you look at these ministers, the more that they talk about this... The more that you think to yourself, I'd rather listen to the people that should know about it. You know, this professor was making sense to me when I was watching what he was saying today. And he was saying that basically, you know, we'll get on with this new um, variant. Um, and basically, uh, uh, it, it needs a host and it wants to get on with us. So it's just not going to kill us because obviously if you, you, you kill somebody, you're out of a job. So it made a bit of sense to me that. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to live with, with, with whatever. I mean, every every winter, everybody gets snipples and coughs and colds and God knows what. They sell more night nurse and all these cough medicines and God knows what. That's happened since since Jesus for a lot. You know, when it, when it's cold, you're more vulnerable to getting a cough and a cold. And as far as I can see, that it, it's only a, a, a thing of being a flu. You know, a severe flu at first, yeah. It were mainly the old people that were that were getting it really severely. The old person who might have underlying conditions got it, but it just seems ridiculous to me that you know everybody everybody else is going about living with it, and then soon as soon as all of a sudden this new variant comes out from South Africa or somewhere, well, you've got to go back to wearing masks here, there, and everywhere. You can't go in a bar unless you you've got your COVID passport and this, that, and the other. Right, well, if I have to walk around with, with a piece of paper that says I've been jabbed and I'm OK, well, fine, I'm not bothered. I'll put that in my pocket and go out. But you can't carry on tying people down. They're getting depressed enough. Well, maybe you know, maybe if I bring this second story to us, I think that maybe we'll, uh, we'll come to maybe another point of view altogether. Stand by. Okay, so um, today, nearly 400 years after Barbados was claimed for her ancestor, King James, the first by an English ship, the Queen's role as head of state comes to an end. The move by the nation's politicians to turn it into a republic comes more than 50 years after it became fully independent in 1966. That year, Her Majesty and Prince Philip were greeted by rapturous crowds as they touched down in Bridgetown, uh, that's the capital of Barbados, for the start of a five-week tour of the Caribbean. But the enduring possibility 
popularity of the Queen among many Barbadians has not halted the ultimately successful drive to remove the monarch. Prince Charles landed in Barbados yesterday ahead of the historic ceremony which will remove his mother's symbolic powers before current Governor-General Dame Sandra Mason is sworn in as the country's first president. The ceremony will follow the decision which was made last year when Ms Mason said that the time has come to fully leave our colonial past behind. However, in recent years, Barbados has embraced a reported $490 million in funding from China for new developments, although any suggestions that this relationship may create its own problems have been dismissed by the country's Prime Minister, Mia Amor Motley. Chinese money has gone on projects which include the construction of a Confucius Institute at the University of the West Indies campus in Barbados, the refurbishment of the National Stadium in Bridgetown, the upgrade of the sewage system, the rebuilding of roads and the construction of a spa resort at the famous Sam Lord's Castle. China has also donated a coastal patrol vessel to Barbados's navy, given 30,000 doses of its Sinovac vaccine to combat the COVID-19 pandemic and sold 30 electric buses to the country. The investment has prompted suggestion that China is using the investment to gain political leverage in the region. When Barbados announced at the end of last year that it was going to become a republic, Tom Tugentat, chairman of the UK's Foreign Affairs Committee, accused Beijing of playing a large role in the decision. Um, I picked up a comment which I will read to you and... Joe Blob in London says China won't have to worry about fighting a war to gain control of the planet. At the rate it's buying up the world, it will own it by 2040. They will be much harder masters than the English ever were. OK, what do you reckon on all that? Uh, I believe that. Yeah, there will be, because I've seen what happened in Cambodia when I was there. Uh, building all, all the Chinese were building uh, casinos and things like that, and, and all the local people who had nice bars on Bump Beach and everything, they just demolished them, just threw them out. You know, well, I've been to Barbados about four or five times. Now, I'm okay with it. If you don't want the Queen, that, that's fine. You know, you're an island, it's a beautiful island, and this, that, and the other, but do not, in the next five or ten years, Come out again with your begging bowl. Can you keep supporting us? Well, no. If China want to take you over and you want China to take you over, that's your problem. But don't come then throwing it on us. Well, you know, it's, a, it's a republic. Well, they're going to be a republic now. Well, we'll see how that bears out. You know. Well, I've got another comment here. China pouring billions of dollars into the world like a giant noose. One morning, we'll wake up to find the red flag fluttering gently in the breeze on the flagpole. They unleashed the virus, crippled the world economy, and it won't be long before they unleash the next weapon in their arsenal. That, for me, is what's going on, including our first topic that we were talking about. It would appear to me that this is all about Chinese communism, and I'm afraid the world's got to wake up, because otherwise we're going to be right right in exactly what that person's just described. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I agree to that thing, but surely all, all the big guns in the world, all Europe, UK, Russia, these and the others... Yeah, let, let China go and buy all these little islands and do what they want with them. You know, if that's what the islanders want, that's what they're going to have to live with. But when it, when they come down heavy on them, you know, that's when they're going to have the problem and want us to go and help again. Well, I'm sorry, you you, you didn't want us, you know, when, when you started with all this. So, listen, you're on your own, you know. And I, I get where they're coming from with this, but I can't see China overtaking... All the, all the big guns in the world, you know what I mean? I'm, well, I'm hoping they can't, anyway. Well, sadly, I, I've felt the whole thing has been about Chinese communism ever since we started this blooming pandemic. I mean, realistically, um, you know, 
there's been this danger has been building for a long time and where I saw it first was the way that the Chinese are building these atolls and um, they're building up the navy and getting everywhere sort of so uh, ready to sort of have a go at everything I mean they've they've been testing the weapons they've been building up the powers um, and of course Chi Chinese probably with some uh, collusion with Russia because Russia's doing the same so yeah, it, it doesn't look good and as far as I'm concerned the other thing that I did see this morning was a, there was a guy that was being interviewed on the TV and um, basically this guy was saying that uh, we've got to pay for our colonial past and um, the British government have got to pay the Barbados people for all that happened in the slavery and everything. I mean, it's almost like people do not understand that we've all moved on and we can't go back, otherwise we'd have to go to Rome and we'd have to be um, getting it Italy to, to pay for all the bits of road that didn't maybe stand up to the test of thousands of years or whatever, you know. I mean, it's, it's yeah. stupid, hasn't it? Yeah, the UK owes, owes Barbados nothing. We've paid for it for years and years and years. We've supported it, you know, ever since, you know, the Queen's head went on there and, and all that. It's all right. The, the, you know, the chinks, Chinese people, um, you know, building, um, you know, uh, freshening up the stadium and all that lot and, and the, the race courses and this, that and the other. That's just the gambling thing. And that's what China's massive all over. Well, they're all, I mean, even in Premiership football. You see, most of them, these these uh, betting things, they're all Chinese. Do you know what I mean? So, whether that's the way they keep building all this money up, you know, through people gambling. I mean, I've never gambled, so it doesn't really bother me on that side. But that's where they're getting the money. Then they'll put one boat outside uh, Barbados. And, I mean, one boat's not going to do now for anybody, you know. No, but but I think the trouble is, you see, they, they they've they've got a big presence in the Pacific. We don't see as much of it here. And, of course, the other thing that's going on in the background is the fact that, um, you know, they've just had this big COP26 meeting telling everybody about um, what we've got to do to save the planet, when realistically there's more coming from natural things like the, um, the volcanoes all around the planet, plus... Um, you know, China's ramping up its coal production because basically uh, it, it needs to produce the electric powers and everything else. Um, and of course, uh, where do they want their coal from? They spot that uh, Australia's got a fair bit. So obviously, when they see that there's the, um, uh, the, the, the nuclear submarine being built and the um, whole thing's beginning to sort of uh, look as if maybe Australia's got a little bit of back in from the UK and everything else that's really you can see that there's a huge amount going on, it's not just one odd thing oh. and of course in behind this is all the Wuhan stuff isn't there? Yeah, you know they started this thing up in Wuhan and, and this that and the other and I, I get where you're coming from I mean, I, I, if you remember I did all the batteries for submarines up in Barra. Yeah. You know, we're the ones who are making them and then we'll go and sell them to them. I mean, <laughs> you know, they make me laugh with that. You know, we supply all the, the, the uh, tanks and, and thingies and submarines and aircraft and this, that and the other. And then if they decide to fight, they fight in with stuff that we told them to. You know, we sold it to them. You know, well, but crazy. that's that's the story of the arms race, and uh, the, you know, yeah. it, it seems to be all the time that as long as certain people are making money, they don't care if the rest of us are all getting shot by the people that they're selling their arms to, and you know, it it's like I've been trying to point out the way I feel about things for a long time, um, uh, in particular when I'm talking to Terry, but Terry. Uh, when we're looking at the Spanish side of things more than the, the English side, Terry is adamant that it's not <laughs> there's going to be nothing worth having if uh, you know if if it all goes to a war or whatever. But I still yeah. feel that they're trying the best. They're trying it on all the time. That's what I feel. Well, they are. They, they, yeah, they, they're trying to put their noses here, there, you know, put one little step in that direction and one little step on that place and this, that and the other. But the trouble with the whole world is pure greed. Yeah. You know, and I don't care how much money you've got, how many flash cars, what yachts, 
big villas and this, that and the other, their box will be the same size as mine when they die. Yep. Simple as that. But it's greed is all over the world. No, I, I'm with you 100%. And, I mean, the biggest thing up till the time that they decided to let the genie out of the box um, it was at least if you've got your health, you could stay, say, well, at least I've got my health and feel that that's a comfort. Whereas now, uh, half the time, you can't even do that because of what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, you know, the, everybody's being suppressed by it, but you know, by these 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 flu things, these omicrons and deltas and some else and coronavirus. They're just trying to keep the normal people like us uh, as down and not happy as we should be. If they think if we start smiling at everybody and having a good time and this that and the other, we're in the wrong. Way. Hang on a minute. That's what we're here for. We only get one chance at this. Okay, I'll move on to our next talking point. Okay, now I was reading in the press uh, last week an evil gunman aged 14. 14, who shot schoolboy Kayon Lincoln with a revolver in a vicious daylight gang attack in Birmingham, has been jailed for life. Yusuf Mustafa, whose identity was revealed by a judge at Birmingham Crown Court today, is facing a mandatory life sentence alongside three other teenagers convicting, uh, convicted of murdering 15-year-old Kayon near his home in Hansworth, Birmingham. Kayon was shot and stabbed after trying to escape the shocking 30-second assault in January of this year. He died two hours later at Birmingham Children's Hospital from a gunshot wound to the stomach. A major artery had also been severed as he suffered eight sharp force injuries. In a haunting victim impact statement today, Kayon's mother said, I am in a nightmare that I cannot wake up from. A piece of soul has been taken from me. Uh, one commenter picked up, once again, a hopelessly inadequate range of sentences, a minimum of 16 years. He'll be out age 30 and able to carry on his life as though nothing has happened. Life should be a minimum of 40 years with no chance of parole. Um, you know, obviously, you look at these poor kids that are getting, you know, involved in yeah. things like this. That is dreadful, isn't it? Yeah, and the girl in Liverpool, that were another... Yeah. In the news. But listen, when the sentence doesn't suit the crime, it's ridiculous. If you take somebody's life, yeah, deliberately, you know, and without any shadow of a doubt, then you should be you should be put in prison for life. Forget this. Oh, I'm giving you a life sentence, you've got to serve a minimum of sixteen years. Well hang on a minute. That body that young lad, his body will be in in that box. For rest of you know, for rest of time. Yeah. So he comes out at thirty. Oh, and everything's all right. But then he'll have to have his. Uh, they'll have to give him a house, and they'll have to change his name in case he gets reprisals and this, that, and the other. No, if you go out and deliberately kill somebody, then you and you get a life sentence. You should serve the life. It's simple. We, we're getting too soft with all these. It's like. We're putting up with it. No, we shouldn't have to put up with violence like that. And but I mean, it starts at bullying at school, and then they move on. These bullies, you know, unless somebody comes and sorts them out, then they'll carry on that for the rest of their life, and they don't agree with somebody. No, they know they can stab somebody, shoot somebody. Ah, uh, well, I'm only get you know life, but I'll only do twelve years or something like that. You know, when does life only mean that that type of sentence? It's ridiculous. I've got to say, as somebody that's um, been in company of some of these teenagers when I was teaching, and you can see the size of these guys. I mean, you know, we're not talking about small people. You know, we might be talking about small brains. But we don't necessarily talk about small people. And I think sometimes people have forgotten. These kids go to school. If they've got nothing that's um, starting to put any discipline in them at home, the only chance they've ever got is probably either at school or in, in the forces or something like that. 
And uh, basically, when you look at some of the ways that school teachers now have to operate, you know, there's no way that the that, that people can control a classroom. If you can't punish a child, then you can't discipline it and you can't teach it. And unfortunately, if you've got a load of teenage boys in front of you where most of them are going to be as big if not bigger than you you know you are fighting a losing battle and i my heart goes out to this poor kid i mean it looks like it's black on black um unfortunately there's a lot of this and it's been going on for a long long time but it's like all these um lawyers and judges and people they never seem to be able to address that problem. They always seem to be able to say um, the name without addressing the race issue. We've had all this Black Lives Matter. That's where black lives do matter. And it's not being addressed properly because these young black lads who are being killed by, you know, people who should obviously uh, fear the law, but they don't They don't fear the law at the moment, do they? No, because... He's, he, it, there's no boundaries and there's no punishment, and I agree with what you were saying before. You know, the, you know, if there's no discipline in the home, then that just speeds out anywhere. You know, you can't do. It. At one time, you have to respect your elders, your teachers, the police, the ambulance, the fire brigade, all that. It's a, it's a big difference than nobody's got respect for the police. But the first time they're in trouble, that's the first number they call. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So unless that's built into them and saying, listen, you do wrong, you're going to get punished with this. No, we, we keep fetching these sentences lighter and lighter. How many times do we hear he's been given seven-year suspended sentence? I'm sick of listening to that. Yeah. If you're giving him seven-year, you're giving him seven-year, and he does seven-year. That's but it. I'm going to just change tack a little bit on the same subject and see what you think of my... Uh, other idea which is basically I remember a long time ago I wrote a letter to David Cameron and I'd cut and pasted some of the words of pop songs and they were violent, they really were violent uh, especially in the rapping songs Yeah. and you know if you go to a hypnotherapist because <laughs> you've got a problem, a hypnotherapist will make you a tape and you play the tape over and over and over and over and over and hopefully you'll cure the problem. Now, he didn't seem to want to even understand that, or at least his office seemed to make the decision that he didn't want to understand, that if you do the same with rapping songs, which are preaching violence, and if you look at the rapping, um, if you look at a lot of the videos that go with these horrible words, I think this has been going on for far too long, building your video games with violence, and that's where, for me, I would root a lot of the problem and start trying to root it out, because this is not not going to end just like this, is it? No. I agree with you with them video games and that, but isn't it funny, all these rappers that were coming out and, you know, uh, on the videos pretending to shoot somebody and this, that and the other, how many rappers have been killed by either other rappers or other fans of other rappers, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's it, been loads of them. You know, so there's something not right with that when even other rappers are trying to kill the rapper that's doing a song. You know what I mean? I, I don't get it. I mean, there's always going to be people who are a bit racist or very racist or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I think, Neil, I think I'd be saying the right thing for most of the type of people we know, you, you hate to see anybody getting uh, th- this type of an end to the life. But certainly, you know, the, the, the young black lads who basically are suffering this, you see so many, they seem nice people. I, I don't You often see it's a nice, dare I say, often a meek lad, you know, a, a lad who's obviously been brought up lovely. And that poor mum yeah. who's saying that, you know, she, she really was suffering so badly. Oh, my heart goes out to these people. Yeah. I mean, it's really awful, isn't it? It, it always seems that the nice, respectable ones that you know, get, get murdered. But the other thing is, with like um, Sadir Khan or whatever it is, the, the London thingy, they, they never actually break the, the figures down. You know, your you black-on-black murders, you know, your black-on-white murders, your white-on-black or Asian or whatever, they never break it down because it's too embarrassing for them. 
You know what I mean? They, they try and sideshift it and just put it out as so many people got murdered, so many people got, you know, were, were seriously injured or you've been stabbed or whatever. Well, let's well, let's start, Because if you point the finger, then you're a racist. You know, well, black on black, you can't put that down to a racist crime. Well, this was going on, no. this this was going back in the, it, it, I remember in the 80s they were talking about this, the, I mean, it's it's not a new problem. What I do find a little bit dis, uh, confusing, actually, is when you look at different nationalities, like, for example, Indian, Pakistani, uh, we've been looking at the Caribbean. Um, I mean, th- th- to me, you know, th- that's probably more of the difference, because when you say black, then there's a big difference between somebody who comes from Pakistan or India or from the Barbados or, or from Africa. I mean, it, that's yeah. that's where really it does get very confusing and you know, it's all very well to just shout that one word racism, whereas there are there are so many different types of that problem. And I think it's oversimplification tends to make it very, very uh, wrong for the way that people are reacting to these things. Yeah, I agree with you there. Totally. OK, I'm going to move on because that's a sad one. And um, I do wish that um, poor poor family i hope they get over it because uh, well no you sorry i shouldn't say that because they'll never get over it it's absolutely awful right let me just um get my next bit ready Okay, you're listening to Europe Calling with Neil Colborne and Vince Tracy. Now, I'm reading in the papers here, millions of Britons are cranking their thermostats to 22 degrees Celsius or higher, making homes from Lossiemouth to Land's End hotter than Lanzarote. This is all to do with new research, and this is some... 3% above climate change recommendations and is adding hundreds of pounds to energy bills in a time where costs are soaring thanks to a surge in wholesale prices. Remember, a lot of that's down to the communist countries again, isn't it? The the countries that communism traditionally is thought of, China and, and Russia. Households could potentially save up to £128 a year by turning the thermostat down by one degree, according to U-Switch. The Committee on Climate Change recommends thermostats are set no higher than 19 degrees Celsius in the battle to combat global warming. Uh, This is a good comment from Ben5010. The UK produces 1% of the world's emissions. Even if the UK were wiped off the face of the planet tomorrow, it would make no difference to the overall climate trajectory. I'll keep my heating at comfortable level, thanks. OK, what do you think of all that? Well, if you think I'm going to turn my heating down and then I've got to put an extra overcoat on or another blanket on bed or whatever, no, it's not happening. Because I think this is the biggest con there is. I'm telling you, it's a nonsense. You, you can't live. The world's been going for. They keep telling us it's been going for billions and billions and billions a year, and it spins round on its axle, and it does this. And one part of the year you're freezing cold, the next day, you know, the next part you're nice and warm, and you get two bits in the middle that are comfy. No, I don't go along with all this. This green malarkey, and we've all got electric cars that they can't put the infrastructure in anyway. And now you're going to get. How are you going to get this, these battery things? How are you going to, you know, charge them all up? <laughs> you, you've just not got the power. Them things, them solar panels on your roof won't do it. Them, them wind turbine things, you hardly ever see them turning anyway, producing enough for every single car in the world, every single house in the world, and this, that, and the other. No, it's not happening. Well, when I was driving up to the Basque Country, uh, there's a great amount of wind turbines, especially around sort of Teruel and um, the Basque Country itself is a lot of turbines up there. And of course, uh, there's a lot of um, 
energy being produced by Spain, especially there's also these pa solar panels now. So, yes, th there is a lot of money to be made uh, this way, cleaner energy, etc., etc. But the point goes back to what I was saying before. If you look at the number of, um, you know, uh, active volcanoes, volcanoes there are around the planet if you look yeah. at the one that you've just been quite near to um yeah, uh, that's yeah i mean basically you see all this stuff that's going up and then you look at the big countries that are producing the real bad stuff that's uh, obviously china that's obviously uh, brazil uh, that's obviously russia. india russia yeah. um yeah. I, I mean the uk for the amount that it can influence is under severe and utter attack all the time with your Greta Thunbergs and your other people who basically are out to create problems. It's almost like they might be getting some money from the Chinese Communist Party to create problems for Britain, which has nothing really to do with the way climate change is probably uh, going to ever be affected by a smaller country of the geographic size of the UK. UK, you know, exactly. The UK is one of the smallest, right? They all come and bombard the UK, and the reason they do it is because we're a load of snowflakes. Instead of saying, keep your nose out of our business, we'll do what we want to do, you know, we'll fetch our temperatures down, you know, ourselves. We don't need you to keep bombarding us. It's all, but because we're that soft, and, as they call them, snowflakes, oh, everybody's, oh, get on to the UK, get on to the UK, you know, it's, it's a disgrace. Well, I noticed in the, uh, I think it was something going through Facebook this week, didn't remember the lady's name, which is uh, a shame, because basically there's a lady in um, Spain here who's uh, some sort of a scientist, and she's actually found a way that you can um, decompose plastic, which is phenomenal. I mean, to be able to do that is an absolutely wonderful step forward. And she was going yeah. to have one of these, um, you, you know, one of these special prizes, um, but apparently it's been awarded to Greta Thunberg instead. Now, yeah, I, well, I get the whole impression now that the whole thing is an interwoven jigsaw puzzle of complicated stuff so that we don't know how to immediately identify hang on this has got the finger of china on it again you know i mean we know the bbc is obviously part of all this and i think i uh, did i mention it the week before last i can't remember but you know the other week i was just going to do a podcast with either yourself or with terry and we had the pictures of uh, the uh, the air force um trying to uh, shepherd away a Russian nuclear w bomber and uh, then on the ground you had all these re illegal immigrants uh, trying to get into Poland being sent by Belarusia and oh, um, yeah. you know the thing is as that was coming on immediately the, the TV was showing the headline story um, was just going on about a new singer. Um, I can't remember which one it was. Now it was it was, it was one of the one of the names uh, of singing who basically had just um, had some sort of uh, litigation against her father, which meant that she was no longer under his control. Britney Spears, yeah, it Britney, was. Britney Spears, yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. the thing is that that. It's almost like you can clearly see, oh, hang on, we've got the Omicron today, so everybody's going to worry about that um, instead of getting on with the economy and getting it back to uh, just saying, well, OK, you've got to learn how to deal with a new variant. Um, let's just make sure that we, you know, um, get more vitamin C, get, get a bit more exercise. You know, you don't hear all these things. It's almost like it's an ongoing left jab of bad news, getting you depressed, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, Britney Spears, what's she got to do with, with illegal immigrants going over from France to the UK? You know, none at all. And what 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 is it to us that she put her father in charge because she weren't well once or something, and uh, he, he's that run of life, like being her manager, you know? But going back going back to this 
you know, climate change and this, that and the other and getting more electricity and you've got all these wind farms that I've seen, you know, where I've been coming in over the tops, there's thousands of them. In in UK, they're all in water, yeah. in sea. Yeah. Have they not realised that the sea and the tide changes four times a day? Two in, two out. All the all, I think I mentioned this last time we were on, that all the big factories all over the UK were run next to a river. So that yeah. when the water's pouring down, it sent the wheel round and it generated its own electricity. So put them out in the sea, you know, instead of these big gurdy-gurdy things with, you know, these fans, right? put it under the water. As, it's, as the tide's coming in, you send it that way. When it's going back out, you reverse it. And you still, you, get, you could get t- ten times more electricity than one of them things. So it, nonsense. We haven't really moved forward, have we? I've got to move no. on. Stand by. Okay, I spotted this one. The gender pay gap is rooted in the issue of greedy jobs rather than sex discrimination. Gender bias or a glass ceiling. Okay, this is a Harvard uh, economics professor and her name is Claudia Goldin. She taught Facebook uh, Cheryl Sandberg COO and outlines her argument in her new book, Career and Family, which draws on research to show that highly paid, greedy jobs in city law, banking and politics force women to choose between their careers and the families once they become mothers. The term greedy job describes a certain type of beck and call job which pays over the odds for extensive travel, unpredictable, inflexible hours and demanding client FaceTime. This is according to The Times, by the way. The prestige, selectivity and enormous paychecks makes this type of job highly desirable for male and female graduates. However, when the kids come along, it becomes difficult for two parents to maintain their greedy careers. Men and women have fairly equal pay trajectories until the babies come along. The article notes because women tend to marry men a little older and so ahead of them on the pay scale, it is logical for the wife to step back. Uh, Goldin, who focuses on college-educated women, writes gender norms that we have inherited getting reinforced in a host of ways to a lot more of the childcare responsibilities to mother and more of the family's care to grown a uh, family care to grown daughters. So um, here's a comment from somebody in the United States. I worked a union job where everyone gets paid the same. I made more than my female counterparts simply because I never turned down overtime like they did, nor did they get additional certificates to make more money. They preferred family time over overtime and putting in the work for certificates. Not that they could not complete them, they just chose not to. And the person who encouraged me to work the overtime and get the certificates was my wife, so she could use that income for house stuff and vacations for me and the kids. Right, what do you think of all that? Well, I'm right with that. Listen, I, 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 you know I work for chloride batteries, which is XI chloride. Right? We, were, we had parity all across the board, but all the women were still doing the same jobs as the men. And I haven't got a problem with that. If you're doing the same job as me, you, you deserve the, the hourly rate that I'm getting. Right, the same as these broadcasters and, and, and all the all the other people. Right? But don't be coming asking somebody that's in an office at top of a, a, a mine shaft, you know, just filling bits of forms in, that she she should be on the same money as them man, men digging you know, d- d- digging down the, the mine shafts, you know, digging the coal out. No. Or the big heavy loading jobs that are not suitable for women because they're not built the same as us. So there's going to be jobs that are different that women, you know, I'm not saying can't do, but it should be detrimental to them, you know. But if you're on the if you're on the same pay as somebody else, then you should be prepared to do the same jobs. And I get what he's saying about the overtime. 
Yeah. The overtime goes towards your holidays. It goes towards, you know, redecorating your house if it needs redecorating. So you do that, the, the extra hours to pay for them things that you need, you know. I think... I think the problem is you, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. And, you exactly. know, if you've, if you've got children and, you know, we've been talking earlier in the podcast about the situation where you've got certain kids are really now out of control. Um, you know, if that's the case, the only antidote is to be a good parent and hope that your kid's a good kid. Because if you start off with a kid who's got the devil in him, or her. I know some people won't accept that, but that unfortunately does happen. You can see um, in teaching, you can see a child very early and very quickly is a little maybe <laughs> difficult, shall we say. But of course, we can't seem to say these days that is a problem child. There is a problem. We can't do an awful lot about it. We can be as kind as we like. But, you know, evil persists and we can't get rid of evil. It was always going to... There'll always be evil here, won't there be? Oh, there'll always be evil people, yeah. You know, but all, all you can do with your kids is, is to bring them up the best you can and show them, you know, what respect, respect is and, and this and that. And a lot of it came... When when my my mum had, had me, I was second one. My, bro, my brother's older than me, and I went to my grandma's. My grandma used to chastise me, and if you did anything wrong, you were more embarrassed that you had to go and tell your grandma than your mum and dad. Well, you know, I because she she put you straight on the straight and narrow. I, I'm very similar to yourself. I, I was brought up, uh, you know, with a with a, a rod of iron, and you know, my dad. Was a great. He was a good man. My dad was a very good man. But if you've got a a young kid giving you cheek when you've come home after doing a real difficult day's work, like probably the way I was, then you know um, there's a snapping point. There's a breaking point. And unfortunately, sometimes people don't seem to think that the kid can be the problem. Of course we can be the problem. We've all been problems. It's just basically that some of us are nicer than others, whether you like it or not. We all have different ages and stages of our lives, and some kids are awful when they were younger. Some kids were an absolute dream. It's never going to change. There's always some, there's always some difficult kids about, aren't there? Exactly. But then if you show them the difference, you know, you show them the difference. I mean, I had more slaps around here all and uh, across back of my legs when I was younger and all that lot because I did something wrong. But I didn't do it again. Once I've been slapped like that, no, I didn't do it again. But that's but where... Now, this, oh, this is oh, where... If you're a parent and you slap your kids, you know, they call police, police come... And then kid goes in home. I mean, do yourself a favour, will you? But this is yeah. where it's all gone wrong. I mean, as a teacher, you, you had some kids in school who were just so rude, uh, just yeah. so impolite. As I say, some of them were much bigger than you to start off with. And they were trying to bully you. Never mind. I mean, by all means, uh, it's bad enough having a kid bullying a kid but when you've got a kid bullying the teacher or numbers yeah. of kids bullying the teacher which is what goes on a lot in schools and that's why they can then go out in society and do it to other people and if the police can't even touch them now believe me well, that's where your problems that, that, lie that's where you that's that's so far down the hill we've come you know and and it's all through snowflakes and basically what started the the the, the problem you know, that uh, police can't clip them around here all and this, that and the other. It was the parents. Because if they got told off at school, then the parents went, went facing up to the teacher. No, no, you, you don't, you're not in this class when, when he's playing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's bad, it's bad through bad parenting, as you said earlier, and we've said it for a long time. Yeah. You've got to be able to discipline your kids to have a nice nice life and keep them out of trouble right neil i've got one more story for us to look at right. stand by you're listening to vince tracy and neil coble it's europe calling what's in the news this week especially from the uk and from spain europe calling 
Right, I caught a weird one. An um, eminent theatre director has admitted stupidity after he was allegedly ousted from his own company when he told a colleague that if he were younger, he would have approached her like a rat up a drainpipe. I'm reading this. I mean, you know, the, 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 the class is certainly not in this particular article. Max Stafford Clark. This is an 80-year-old who left London's out-of-joint theatre company in October 2017 uh, after he reportedly made inappropriate and sexualised comments towards three women. In his new book, Some Letters I Never Sent, he broke his silence on the allegations, saying he was in a position of power and did not exercise it with responsibility, while also blaming his stroke. Meanwhile, he also admitted he often said what I pleased and often exceeded the norms of office banter with members of the opposite sex. Meanwhile, Max also suggested a stroke in 2006 impacted his decision-making skills and made him emotionally liable. I picked up a comment which is, uh, random randoms. There are probably stories like this about every man Over a certain age, I randomly say 70 or so because that was seen as socially acceptable for which Reed seen as the entitlement of wealthy, famous status men Um, was totally different. And women knew if they complained, they'd be ignored or career sidelines. It not a surprise. Um, Now, Really, I'm surprised that anybody would want to write a book and have it put in the papers over behaving like that. But um, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, I've worked in a big big workplace and there were more banter between men and women. And, you know, uh, I'll give you, for instance, if you remember him, Tony, um, the, the, the musical Muscle Man. Uh, Tony, yes. Tony. I... Uh, uh, Brutus. Anyway. He, he worked was it, was it Tony, Tony Brutus, I think, wasn't it? No, no. Okay. Anyway, the musical muscle man, so he worked at Chloride Batteries. And the first night he went on Opportunity Knocks, there were about 300 women worked at Chloride. There were, well, there were a lot more, but before you started, you could go and get a cup of tea and a bacon sandwich before you went on your ship. And all women used to be in there, and they were nattering away, and all men were in there, all having banter between them. And the minute he walked in, all the women whistled, right, whistled at him, shows your muscles, do the, you know, all these comments. And he was so embarrassed about it, right, because, he, don't forget, he was on there in his trunks, wasn't he, to, to wheels chat chat music. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and it... He, he did seven world fairs and this, that, and the other. But every time, even walking about with his clothes on, they were all whistling and shouting, shows your muscles so on, you like it. <laughs> so, it's, it, that office banter is office banter. As long as it's not crude, rude, or derogatory, we've had it all of our working lives. You know, having banter between men and women and wet men and men and women and women. It's always, uh, it's, it's always gone on. And you just slap it off and have a crack with people. No, you don't say anything. Everybody takes offence to everything. Lighten up. Get enjoying yourself. Have a bit of banter. Have a bit of crack. I must admit, I have been in company uh, with certain people who seem to think that if they've got a few bob and uh, they've got a name or they've got some sort of status that um, other people can relate to, TV or whatever, you know, something like that. They seem to think they can use that as a way of maybe trying to undermine you. I mean, if if you're with your missus in company and somebody is chatting her up and, you know, obviously um, you can see that this is the the, the tactic. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, I will react to that and I will tell the the guy, look, you know, would you just behave yourself? Um, This is me, missus with me. I don't expect you to be trying to make me feel embarrassed. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it does happen not on a totally regular basis, but, you know, um, when some of these older guys obviously um, feel they can take liberties, they do do that. Yeah, well, you'll always get your chances, won't they? You know, it's that, that's that's a different thing than having banter. You know, having banter with somebody. Well, yeah, you're if right. It, 
it, yeah. it is, but, but the... don't, don't come encroaching on my wife when she's out with me. You know what I mean? Exactly, but I mean, there are certain things that certain men will say in company, and when yeah. you when you're there, it makes me feel embarrassed for my wife or for the the person that's being spoken about. Um, yeah. You know, and I must admit, whenever I've come across these situations. It's given me no pleasure whatsoever because, I mean, I can remember going to America, sitting around uh, after a, a golf club thing, and uh, basically you, these guys were stinking rich. They were obviously so rich, but quite honestly, at times they were really not very nice people, and it was quite nice to be able to stick one in and, and show them that, you know, you might not have as much money, but you still can look after yourself, and, and uh, you, you know, you don't have to take some of this type of comments and I'll tell you another place where it was rather ridiculous this I was with um, Anne and you remember Angie and we were having a nice cup of coffee and uh, one of the lucky lucky men came up now nine times out of ten they're quite nice guys they they, they come up show you whatever they're trying to sell or whatever um, and every now and again you have to say no thank you but no thanks a lot and you try to be nice to the guys, and nine times out of ten, okay, it's a bit disappointing because they've got to move on. But you get an odd one who starts flirting with the ladies, and not in the nicest of ways, you know. And again, you see, it's almost like you're not allowed to say these things because, unfortunately, um, these might not be people from the same race as you. Well... Sometimes, you know, there comes a time when it doesn't matter what the race is. It doesn't matter at all. It's just about politeness and knowing that, you know, you don't say certain things in certain circumstances. Do you, do you, are you with me on that one? Yeah, I'm with you. The other one is that the more money they think they've got, you know, the big directors, they're normally like, you know, late 60s, whatever, 70-year-old, you know, on the big cigar, and they come over, and they think they can say anything to to women. You know, because I'm filthy rich, and this and the other. No, pal, you can't say anything that's derogatory to anybody, no matter how much money you've got, how big your cigar is, now, and how big your belly is. Now, forget it. Just move away. Yeah. Okay, well, look, um, that's just about as far as we need to go this week. Uh, we'll just have a quick look at the football. Did you enjoy any of the football over the weekend? Did you see the games being played in the snow? Oh, I always watch them. And then, and then Burnley's pitch come on. It were eight inches full of snow. Yes. God, many. And City's ground at half-time, that were about three inches full. And they, they just got a, a load of people to come on with them plastic uh, scoops. And they scooped off with, with uh, I think it was... An extra 11 minutes or something, you know, after the uh, the half-time break. Yep, I saw that. That was really, really yeah. well done by the ground staff, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, but do we not have underground eating now anymore? <laughs> yeah, well... Prob- well we did have underground eating, didn't we? You know, if you're looking, it's going to freeze and this, that and the other, or going to be full of snow, <laughs> they just put the, the underground eating on. Yeah, well, I mean, you laugh, really, because they're probably getting memos from COP26, you know. Uh, you're not that, allowed that, to put that, on that, your, yeah. your your underground yeah. heating. Oh, I don't you know. You know what I can't wait for, Vince? Yeah? When me and you can go back on radio for, for three hours and just play music and talk about the music and get people's reactions and, you know, the requests and all that, you yeah. know. We don't have to mention news because that comes on at one o'clock, you know, at the o'clock every hour. Yeah. And we can just carry on listening to our music and people telling us all about it and making requests. That's well, the day I'm looking forward to. Well, you know, I watch some of these, uh, listen to some of the, we've got Bay Radio up here. Um, and yeah. honest to goodness, you know, A, I don't know who on earth they play the music to because it certainly doesn't reflect the population that lives up this way and then you know i have yet to hear any banter at all like the banter we had on our radio show exactly down here i mean these new radio shows now that when uh, the one we were on cool you know got sold off yeah right and then new ones come in they were telling me what music they wanted playing 90s onwards but everybody in Benidorm is 55 plus. Yes. And all the bar owners are well over 55, 65 plus. So 
them bars that wanted, you know, 60s music and 70s music and this, that, 50s, 60s, 70s, they, they get missed out now. It's as though they don't exist. Well, now, nobody, uh, nobody's going to tune into a thing where, where you, you don't even know who's singing what or what the song's all about. You're absolutely well, anyway, right. That, that's, that's the day I'm looking forward to when we get back on. All right. Okay, let me just um, click off and say it's been an absolute pleasure. Neil, nice to have you back, and obviously we'll speak next week. Okay, Vince. Cheers, Great Neil. Bye now. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.